Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, please bless your word wherever it is proclaimed throughout the world this morning. May it be a word of pardon and peace to convert those who have yet to come to saving faith in you and to confirm those who have already received and placed their hope and trust in you. May your word pass from the ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip, and from the lip to the life, that as you have promised, your word may achieve the purpose for which you sent it, the salvation of our souls and the blessing of your people. We ask and pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. I don't know if you know this, but sometimes there's a difference between participation and attendance on Mother's Day weekend and Father's Day weekend. A typical Father's Day weekend doesn't always include worship for one reason or another. A lot of times, dads on Father's Day weekends like to be elsewhere, golfing, fishing, cooking meat over an open fire, drinking beer, or perhaps out on the water with a, with a boat, or perhaps with some friends, cooking meat over an open fire and drinking beer. Or maybe even spending time with family and friends at home, but always cooking meat over an open fire. And you get the idea. I think there's a lot of reasons for this, but uh, let me share five of them that I think about when I think about guys in worship and especially fathers and Father's Day weekend. First, I think some guys go to work. Uh, they work hard all week and they want to sleep in on Sunday morning, even though we got Saturday night church and Monday night church too. <laughs> also, we sing a lot of songs in worship and I think a lot of guys like music, uh, but not every guy likes to sing out loud to the music and especially in front of other people. Other guys like to spend the weekends hanging out with their family, doing family activities, or uh, head into youth sports tournaments, uh, that type of thing, maybe coaching youth sports. I know that I've done that. Other dads might like to continue the epic saga that is home improvement projects and yard work. And still others might be a little concerned. They perhaps are annoyed, anxious, or even afraid of the message they that might receive on a Father's Day weekend like this. But those aren't the only reasons, or all the reasons, we might find fewer fathers in worship this weekend. God's people gathered as the church also have a significant role and responsibility with this particular trend. Sometimes in worship on a Father's Day weekend, we do share a very law-based, judgmental message that criticizes fathers for how God made them, for what they're interested in, for their preferences and opinions, and for sometimes their priorities, especially as they approach uh, what it means to be a husband and a father. We sing songs, lots of songs, and not all guys like to sing. We decorate the church, um, and sometimes we decorate it in very feminine ways. There's paintings and pictures, uh, there's artwork, there's fancy table and furnishings, sometimes there's banners, and usually in a worship space, there's some sort of rose-colored pew or seat cushion. Now, this environment's pretty good. There's, uh, there's some stone and there's some blue and there's some masculine kind of things, so that kind of helps. But not every worship space is like this one. And there's also some expectation of dressing up. Uh, I think some guys like to dress up, but not all guys. And especially on the weekend, some guys like to dress down. 
And then finally, we have not encouraged our young people, especially our young men, to continue to participate in the life and ministry of their church. And sometimes we've left the heavy lifting when it comes to worship and when it comes to volunteering in the church to the ladies. God bless you women for taking the lead so many times over the last several decades when the men have not risen to the occasion. I think we can do a better job encouraging our young men to participate in worship and in congregational life. So you see, there's many reasons why a dad might not show up on worship on Sunday morning, but let not your hearts be troubled. Men, I promise you I won't beat you up this morning with my words. I won't criticize who you are, who God made you to be, and what you're interested in. I won't make you feel guilty for being a guy. And women, let not your hearts be troubled. I'm not going to talk just about the guys today in worship. I'll also be sharing a message of spiritual challenge and encouragement for you. And children, in addition to the puppets, there's a little something in the message for you as well. It just won't be as cool. So, with that all set in motion, I want us to recall the Sea of Galilee in Mark chapter 4. These decide, oh yes, there's this, I almost forgot. Um, Family Feud, Steve Harvey is the host. He asked a hundred guys, in worship, when you bow your head to pray, what is it that you're praying for? Number one answer, my family. That's a good answer. Good job, guys. Number two answer, inappropriate to share in worship. (laughs) Sometimes family feud can be naughty and inappropriate. And we can't always repeat what we see and share, or uh, what we see and hear on TV. Number three, they pray for money, more money. And number four, they want health and healing in their life. Number five, they're praying for their favorite sports team. Interesting, but okay. Um, Number six, they're praying for church to end. How much longer do we have to be here? And then finally, and I'm glad it made the list. I'm a little sad that it was the last place. But number seven, they're praying to be saved from hell. Uh, And again, we kind of reverse that and say, hey, we're praying to go to heaven. Interesting take on the preference of dads and dudes with regard to worship. So there the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee that day. They're experienced anglers. They know how to handle a sail and a mast. They know how to guide a ship with a rudder. They know how to cast nets and haul in fish. They show up early, they work late, and they've seen all kinds of weather because they've been on the water so much. But there's something different about this day. Things seem a little bit more intense. And there's Jesus, the true Son of God, the true Savior of the world. And he has gone out to sea with his faithful followers. There's others in boats around them also following Jesus, curious about who this Jesus is, wondering what he might do. And there they go, out on the sea that day. Except Jesus gets tired. And so he lays down in the back of the boat and places his head on a cushion. I don't know if you've ever seen the size of these boats. Not a whole lot of room there. It's not down below on a nice little bed or cot. This would be at the stern of a boat, open to the elements, but he's got a cushion there, and he is sleeping. And as Jesus lies down and gets comfortable, the storm rises up and confronts the disciples. 
and they become terrified. These experienced anglers, these men who are used to being out on the sea, they become terrified by the sudden surge of storm. How can a storm like this arise on such a small body of water? Do storms like this really happen on the Sea of Galilee? Well, apparently they do. I shared the context and the geography and the word of the Lord from the gospel with a friend of mine from Wisconsin. His name is Brian Nisnansky, and he used to work in the Wausau area where I was associate pastor at, at Mount Olive Lutheran Church there, and now he's a meteorologist on Storm Team 4 in Milwaukee. And Brian Nisnansky says that when the cool moist Mediterranean air would mix with the warm desert heat that there could be sudden storms that arise and that unload and unleash on the people further inland and certainly over the Sea of Galilee. So Pastor Brad just doesn't make this stuff up. We have experts behind the scenes working on verifying this information that we receive from God's word and share with you week in and week out. And yes, sometimes men, you need to defer to other men and their area of expertise and be humble enough to listen to their insight and wisdom because you can learn some stuff. I certainly did. Anyway, these mighty fishermen turned fishers of men lose their courage and become quite frightened by the scene of the wind and the waves crashing into the boat. And this is when they share those fateful words with Jesus. Lord, teacher, get up. Can't you see that we're drowning here? In one of the Gospels, the Greek only records three words on this particular occasion, indicating the urgency of the disciples and also showcasing their fear. Lord, look, drowning. Or as I like to say, in my particular version, Lord, don't you know? Lord, don't you care? Lord, can't you see what's happening here? You hear the tone of the prayer. You hear the urgency of the cry. And also there's this little tinge of accusation, is there not? Lord, can't you see what's happening? Lord, won't you do something about this? Lord, can you do something about this? There's doubt. There's skepticism. There's accusation. There's an uncertainty about the intention of the Lord and his ability and willingness to help out in a time of need. Friends, when was the last time you accused the Lord for not meeting your needs in the way that you wanted him to, the timeline that you wanted him to, and you started to doubt his presence, his power, and his provision for your life, for your health, for your family, for your future. Back to the sea, the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus awakes and arises, he surveys the scene and then commands the winds and the waves to become still, and the creation recognizes its creator. And the winds die down, and the waves on the sea become calm, and the rain stops, and there's no more thunder and no more lightning. Everything is at peace. I wonder, do we have the same kind of posture before the Lord as the wind? I wonder if we have the same kind of response to our Lord as the waves. 
if simple seawater and regular weather wind can respond to the voice of Jesus in these kind of intense moments, when the storms of life come our way, what is our posture before the Lord? What is our response to the Lord? Is it one of understanding, of humble obedience, and of trust? Or do doubt and fear and skepticism have their way? Men, when was the last time you dropped to your knees in prayer asking your heavenly father for help because the load on your life was so overwhelming? Women, when was the last time you lifted up your husband in prayer thanking your heavenly father for a good and godly man who loves you, helps out around the house as best as he can, tries to raise the children with you, and honors you by sacrificing his desires so that you can pursue your activities and interests Children, when was the last time you showed love and respect to your parents without wanting anything in return? When was the last time you did your chores or cleaned up after yourself or took care of the yard without being asked? And friends, when was the last time you studied God's word and asked for the Holy Spirit's help to become more obedient to the commands of Jesus and more trusting in the promises that he shared with you in that word. As God's children, we enjoy so many blessings and benefits of our Lord, but sometimes we're not always quick to respond with gratitude, obedience, and trust, as our Lord calls us to do. Back in the boat, Jesus admonishes the disciples for their lack of faith, and we here today place ourselves in that same boat with the disciples but different than disciples because we have the whole story set before us. And we have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit with us so that we can understand what the disciples failed to understand in their moment of panic. We, because of the Holy Spirit, working through God's word, can understand who Jesus is. He is the Lord. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And yes, the wind and the waves obey him. And we should too. We, as 21st century New Testament Christians, living and worshiping here and now, can understand that Jesus is the true Son of God. And we can trust in his promises for us and for our families and for our future. Because we've seen that track record over the millennia from God's word of how God shows up time and time again for the sake of his people and helps them out in their greatest time of need. And we here, with our experience, look back on our own lives with eyes of faith, realizing that yes, it wasn't always easy, but God was with us. Yes, it was tough at times, but God saw us through. And yes, God has made good on his promises to us and to our families, even in our lives. It's not perfect. It never will be the side of heaven. But this particular text and this particular episode with Jesus calming the storm reminds us of who Jesus is and that he can be trusted to be there for us when we need him. Friends, Jesus is Lord. Jesus has power and authority. Jesus shows up in our time of need. And Jesus promises to be there when the storms of life come crashing in on you. 
Friends, this Father's Day weekend, I hope you have a great time. I know that I will. Celebrating with my family who's here with me this morning. We're living in the same house. All the Hubbard people and possessions are in the same place the first time in seven months. Thanks be to God. I'm thankful for that. And I hope you have a great Father's Day as well. I hope you get to do something you like. I hope you enjoy spending time with your family and friends. I hope that you do cook something over an open fire and enjoy a beverage of your choice. And remember, as you're enjoying the created world around you and the blessing of family and friends and their presence in your life, remember the goodness of God. And remember that he is Lord and he has power and he chooses to use that power for your benefit and blessing and ultimately for your salvation. God's blessings to you and happy Father's Day. And all God's people said, amen.